the biggest piece of advice is just get started and don't get crippled in revision mode in, oh, I got to have a business plan and it's got to be perfect. Just write the business plan and get it out there. Get started working so that you can figure out um, all the answers to your questions. Mm. Um, I guess I guess the saying is fail fast. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Laura McGuire. And uh, Laura went to uh, went to North Carolina State, studied communications, and uh, she knew she was a good communicator, but didn't necessarily know how that would uh, translate into a career. So then she started out in a marketing agency um, and doing that for a period of time, and then went to another agency, met her husband there. Um, I think you were, or she was on the finance side, her husband's on the creative side. It was a match made in heaven, and uh, her and her husband figured out one day that they love to work with small businesses and smaller clients um so decided to kind of split off do their own thing they uh, started 50 50 uh, marketing about three years ago um decided also as one as a project that they were doing to go through the experience of often time what it is like to do a startup or small business so, so they've also did um hip sticks uh, legwear is in addition to their marketing firm and so that kind of is a quick introduction and with that welcome on the podcast laura Hey, it is so great to be with you. I'm excited about this conversation. Absolutely excited to have you on. So I gave that kind of quick 30 second run through of a much longer journey. So take, uh, take us back in time a bit to going to college at Nor- North Carolina State and how, how your journey started from there. Yeah, it's crazy to hear it back. <laughs> it, it is. It seems like time flies so fast when you're an, an adult, you know, and you got to take a moment to look back and entrepreneurs who are listening today, just take a second today to really think about the awesome stuff you've done. Because I think we get wrapped up in just the day-to-day. And I think you'd mentioned before that it's kind of a lonely journey to be an entrepreneur. So sometimes like tonight, just pop that bottle of champagne on on the great decisions that you made for yourself over these past years. But yeah, I... I went to college, like a lot of uh, teenagers, you don't really know what to do with your life unless you you know, were a kid and maybe your dad or mom were, was a doctor and you just knew that was your path. Like a lot of times we don't know. And so I went into um, college without declaring a major and then soon figured out you know, what you're good at along the way. And we all, we all do that. And I think an entrepreneur's journey, you can look back and see uh, all those um, steps that you took to kind of get where you got, all those things that you're good at to make you a good entrepreneur. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's, that's how I landed in communications. And then there's a lot of ways to go in communications. Um, and so that's why I went the advertising agency route and started helping other brands and products um, figure out their journey, figure out how to be successful on the shelf figure out how to find an option. Now, one question. So you came out of college and I think the first marketing agency you got into was cigarettes, which I've got to imagine, you know, 
people or plenty of sp- people smoke and whether you, you know, what it, wherever you at, as far as, uh, you know, opinions on that, it's certainly an industry that's very controversial. So coming out of college, how was it to get into an industry and in marketing to an industry that is, you know, con- controversial or kind of polarizing? And was it a good experience? Did you get, cause I mean, it can be a good experience because they've got to be good at marketing to keep, uh, you know, keep uh, customers coming back and to catch them. Or was it one, you know, give us a bit of an idea of coming out and how that went for you when you dive into that as an initial kind of out of college industry. Yeah. So in 2005, 2004, 2005, there were a lot of changing changes happening in tobacco. So we were up against a lot of challenges um, in terms of marketing and maybe the traditional ways we're having to, go out the window. So it was a great first brand to work on because it it had me really thinking about um, the customer of the product and how to reach them in not necessarily the typical advertising ways um, because we were we, we couldn't do the typical ways. So thinking through how do you build an audience um, and keep them engaged, so it was a great first brand to work on at, mm. at that young at that young age, right out of college. <laughs> so now, so now you did that for a period of time. Come out of college, get into marketing. You know, kind of okay. I figured out how I'm going to use my communications degree, which I think is a great match. And a lot of marketing is communicating a message, clear, you know, specifically in a, a short amount of time and convincing people as to why it makes sense. So. You did that, you know, for a period of time, and then you went on to, was it a different marketing firm? Kind of what made you decide to to switch marketing firms and what led to that part of your journey? Yeah, so this next marketing firm I went to specialized in launching products, and that was really exhilarating to me because it it's the ultimate challenge, right? There's one thing to market a, a brand that's been around for, for many years, and they have that built-in brand awareness. It's a whole nother set of challenges to work on just a brand spanking new product and to find that total available audience, to find that total available market, to figure out how are you going to speak? What is your tone going to be like? Who is your customer going to be? When are they going to find you in their consumer journey? So there's just a whole nother set um, of really exciting challenges. And that's that experience and being part of those startups, whether it be ice cream or beer um, or yard products, being part of that um, helped my husband um, and and I say, hey, we can do this too. Just like these entrepreneurs we help on a daily basis, we can come up with a product um, that fills a white space in the marketplace that consumers um, don't have great, you know, they don't have a great selection of today. And that's where Hipstick Legwear was born. And it's a female, um, it's a female driven um, idea around comfortable hosiery. So I'm going to back up just a bit in your journey because that kind of jumped it forward just a bit. But so you went, you know, you went to the first, you know, American marketing agency, did it for cigarettes after graduation, got, you know, some good training on how to do reach markets, do good branding, good, do good marketing, moved over to the other agency. Now you met your husband at that agent before you got into kind of hip sticks and your own agency, you will make your husband at that agency. Is that right? Yes, yes. And we were working on projects together and there was just a natural synergy. He is a total creative guy. He went to school for art, um, graphic design. Um, So he would 
during these um, launching of products, he would develop the name, he would develop the logo, um, he would help develop that mission statement for brands. Um, and, and so we were on projects together where I was helping project managers projects, helping with a strategy, and that we were just really clicking and we were hitting on all cylinders for these brands we were working on. And so it just, uh, our relationship blossomed from there. And so we still today work together. So that's, it works for us to work together because that's how we started. Definitely makes sense. And that's, that's kind of funny. You know, it's, you know, it gives you an opportunity to work, work, you know, work and balance the, the skill sets, be able to work together, build or build something together. And it led to you guys, you know, going or striking out on your own. And that kind of brings me to the question. So, you know, you meet your husband, you guys kind of have the balance of he's on the creative side, you're kind of on the finance side, you guys both have, you know, or skill sets that complement each other. Now, as you're doing that, what made you decide to branch off or make the leap or, you know, whatever you want to call it from the current agency that you guys are both working on and say, Hey, well, let's go do our own thing or let's go start our own agency. Yeah. I think what we were finding is that in that launch phase, um, there's, there's just a lot of needs. An entrepreneur comes to the table with a set of skills and they have to do so much that runs outside of their skill set um, that Every launch product needs smart strategy. Every launch product needs great marketing, not just the big brands and the big guys that can afford it, um, but everybody. So we were really finding a lot of heart um, with the, the entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping, who you know had a crazy idea and found a manufacturer and they didn't know anywhere to go um, with the other pieces of their business like marketing. So we said that if we you know, come outside of the agency model and um, consult and, and, and really keep it skinny to exactly the goals and objectives they have, instead of trying to sell them you know, other things that they may not need at that moment, we could really be efficient for them in terms of um, investment. And so that's how 50-50 uh, 50 50 consulting and marketing and branding was born. And today we have clients that span from e commerce sites to you know, business to business, the local pest control company um, in our city. So, and all of the, all of the skills about launching and marketing a product apply to anywhere from Nike to that local pest control company. It all needs mm. smart strategy. So now one thing on that, that I, and we'll get into a little bit now where you guys are at, but before we dive into that, so you guys make the leap, you say, okay, we want to kind of, you know, we, I, we think we can do it on our own. I think that's what most entrepreneurs say. Hey, I think I can do this. I can do it better. I can focus on the clients that I want, you know, any number of reasons to start out on your own. You guys did that and you start your own marketing agency. Now, was that from scratch from the ground up? Did you guys have to, from day one, start to go find new clients? Did you have some clients that followed you along? Was it a bumpy ride? Was it a rocket ship to the top and a hockey stick straight up? Or kind of how did that initial kind of launch go when you said, hey, we're going to go do this on our own. We might maybe have an independent contractor or two that, gonna, that we're going to hire. But really, you know, was that scary? Was it exciting? Was it all the above? Or how did it go for you? Yeah, there's always an inherent risk to going out on your own. Um, and so, yeah, we, we wanted to build our own base with this new concept of client, which was this client that, that really needed efficient marketing affordably. 
so we started um, just from the ground up and it was a it was a slow growth it was not not an overnight success we um, went into you know something that an idea for entrepreneurs you can go into facebook and join groups and find people who are looking for help who are asking mm. questions and you can help be the answer so we did a lot of that and a lot of just looking into our local marketplace who needs help and joining things like um, our local mentorship group um, which is through a college a university where we could connect and meet um, other entrepreneurs who um, they could help us and we could help them. So it's, mm. it's definitely, and I think we were talking before about how the overnight success stories, the Forbes articles you read, there's so much behind the black and white text that you see. Mm. If it says, um, you know, mega million dollar company, there was so much that went into behind the scenes to get there. And, and I think we see that glitz and glam in the entrepreneurs and we forget how we just, we go into it forgetting how much work it's going to take, but that work is totally rewarding because back to your question, to not have a boss is to pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I agree. And I, and I also agree, you know, touched on the other point is I think that too often we kind of hear the overnight success stories. Those are really overnight success, 10 years in the making. We just don't get to hear the, the 10 years behind that everything it took. And even if this current company is, you know, is a new company, all of the experience, all the time and, and effort and getting that experience and figuring out how to set it up and getting the right skill set, developing, you know, clientele and everything else is something that you oftentimes don't hear about. And yet are the, the things that make those overnight success that really take 10 years in the making. So yeah. Now as, now, as you guys, you know, so the one other thing you started to touch on, and then we jump back a bit earlier into your story was you, so you guys are doing 50 50 marketing. You're having, you're smoke, or focusing on startups, small businesses, kind of giving them the same level of service and everything else that the larger companies, are, you know, can or typically get. And so now you guys also decided, you know, in the midst of that, hey, to really understand the full client journey, you know, kind of go through it from start to finish, you're going to start your own company, which is uh, Hipsticks, right? And what's is for legwear? Yes. So part of really understanding our customers was doing it ourselves and mm. feeling the same pain of taking the money out of your wallet and spending it and hoping it's ROI positive, right? A lot of marketing is testing. So we said, let's launch this, this product. There, there's definitely a white space. There's a need for it. I have no background in fashion or apparel, but what we do have is background in launching products. So we took this pain point that I had as a that I had as a woman for many years and said, this is the product we're going to launch. We're going to build an e-commerce website. We are going to get on Amazon. We're going to get on walmart.com. We are going to do wholesale. We're going to figure out um, how to do all of that on the other side um, from where we were typically sitting so that we could really empathize with our customer, with our clients um, and, and their journeys. And mm -hmm. we, would, we would see how painful it was for them to spend money on marketing um, to test things and now we know firsthand exactly what it's like. And we can use um, Hipsic Legwear almost as a way to test marketing also 
so that we can give that back to our clients. We can tell them, okay, look, we tested this idea of affiliate marketing and it works. It's all, it drives 40% of mm. hip sticks. So we can apply those same strategies to your business and expect to see the same uh, results and success. So mm. it, it's been, it's been awesome to go through the journey um, of actually owning, launching, marketing our own products so we can be that much more empathetic to our clients. No, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, it's kind of the, in a much different, you know, different avenue. That's what I've done. So a lot of my clients with Miller IP Law, we work with a lot of startups, small businesses with patents, trademarks and whatnot. And I also have done several startups, small businesses. I have some that are still kind of just our family businesses or more fun kind of hobby businesses. One of which I get a, my son works at and has, you know, gets there in a little bit of side money. Other ones have been, you know, much bigger businesses that have now grown. I used to say eight figure. It's actually nine figure now. Um, but, you know, so I've gone on both sides of the spectrum, but the point was, is that having done those businesses on that side of it helps me inform, you know, kind of the legal or the legal, advice I give and strategy that you form on the the legal side. In other words, hey, yes, there's a legal side and I can tell you all the legal aspects and how it works and why it makes sense. But at the end of the day, you need to know how it works for your business from the, is this going to give a return on investment? Is it worthwhile to proceed? Where should I spend the money? Where should I not? You know, what would you recommend? And there's that kind of that business overlay. So in a, a different context, I definitely agree with you that, you know, kind of going through that client journey and seeing the other side of the aspect, the business side and what they're going through definitely makes sense. And I think it informs a much better opinion. So um, I, I think that's admirable that you, you took that, you and your husband took your leap. So now that kind of brings us up to where you're at today, you know, a little bit, you're still doing the marketing agency, 50-50 marketing. You're also doing hip stick. And if you're to kind of now look out kind of six, 12 months in the future, where do you see things heading and kind of what's the next steps for you guys? Yeah, so now we treat HIPSIC like a client. We allocate time to them like we do our other, other clients. And when we take on a client, we make sure that we have the bandwidth to do that. So um, we are working with um, this really awesome online nursery called planningtree.com. And uh, so we've been working with them to help them grow um, their business through COVID. They saw a huge uptick, you know, people at their homes, looking at their yards and, and wanting to bring some life to their yards. So we are um, working on helping them grow. And then we take on, uh, and they're the full scope of marketing. Um, we do, we do uh, almost like their in-house marketing agency. And then we take on, you know, down the road, several months from now, we'll take on projects just for packaging, um, packaging work, or we'll take on projects just for, you know, helping someone with a logo, um, mm. or we'll take on projects that are just affiliate marketing. So say someone wants to, they don't have that capability now, and they want to get into it we can take that on as a project. So we will continue um, continue to be excited about the new brands that come our way. And we laugh because every client that we take on, it seems like we get crazy passionate about it. We can, <laughs> our yard now is like the Shazam and with all the gar with all the plants and trees we've added to it because of our client. Or mm. like, I remember back when I had ice cream and beer, oh my gosh, I gained so much weight during that time. <laughs> We're, we are obsessed with our clients. We talk about it at dinner. Um, so mm. it is, it's, it's exciting that our whole lives revolve around 
uh, branding and marketing. And it's just super fun. Well, that is awesome. That that's kind of a, it makes it fun when you can or find projects that you're passionate about. You can dive in, you know, almost kind of become part of the family at least for a period of time, and really establish that relationship. Makes it for I'm sure fun. It makes it very fun and rewarding. So, well, now as we kind of have gone through a bit of your journey, and we've even looked a bit to the future, um, I always ask two questions towards the end of each journey. So we'll jump to those now. And before we dive to that, just as a reminder for the audience and listeners, we will hit on the bonus question. We talk a little bit more about intellectual property. So if you want to learn more, a little bit more about that, stay tuned after the normal episode wraps up. But otherwise, we'll jump to the two questions right now. So first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I thought long about that because you you and I had talked about that. And it's the worst decision I made was in year one with Hipstick, where I thought we were just going to catapult. I thought that I was going to put a brand on the internet. And even with all my marketing experience and knowledge and knowing that you got to market, 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 I thought that it was just going to be an overnight success. And that, and I realized that year that that mindset that I had was keeping me from other opportunities. Mm. So that, that the biggest mistake was thinking that it was going to be easy. And I don't mean to be, I don't mean to say, I don't mean to sound like so hard, but it is not easy and it is going to take work and it's going to take time and you've got to spend your time very wisely um, to get things moving uh, to test and see. So, so that, that, that was a challenge year one. And I, I woke up one day and realized what I was doing uh, mentally to mm. squash the success of Hipstick in that mindset. Mm. No. And I think that, you know, it definitely makes sense. And, and it does. It takes a, a lot of time and effort and patience and perseverance. And, you know, it's oftentimes, it's almost reflects back a little bit to what you were saying on the, you know, or what we were talking about a little bit as far as overnight success. And that's kind of, you know, you watch the movies, you see the TV shows, you read the books, and you kind of oftentimes get that false sense of security. Oh, this is going to be simple. It's going to be easy. It's going to take off. It's not that hard. You get into it. It's a lot of time, work and effort and perseverance. And I think having that grit and that determination to see it through can make a big difference. So definitely makes sense. So now I'm going to jump to my second question, which is if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I would say just start, just start. The hardest part is starting. And if you've got an idea, don't let yourself think, oh, that idea has already been done. That URL is taken. I can't find a name. Um, it's not going to work out. I'm not going to be able to find an audience. You don't know any of that. Just start and start to test things, make lots of decisions very quickly and to get it out there so that you can start seeing who your audience is going to be, what marketing tactics are going to work, uh, what channels you're going to sell best in. Maybe you start an e-commerce site and really wholesale is where it, it's going to head. Um, and you're going to see the greatest success. So the biggest piece of advice is just get started and don't get crippled in revision mode in, oh, I got to have a business plan and it's got to be perfect. Just write the business plan, 
and get it out there, get started working so that you can figure out um, all the answers to your questions. Mm. Um, I guess, I guess the saying is fail fast. Mm. No, I think so. And I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, I think now we're up on 200 plus episodes. I'd have to look at the exact number, but we're, we hit over 200 recently. And, you know, I asked the same questions. And the first one of, you know, what was your biggest, uh, you know, worst business decision? That one's always different. And even the second question, which is, you know, well, it's a one piece of advice, but the, the most common que- answer to that, and I, you know, we don't talk about it before I try and keep the, the answer, you know, give everybody their own opportunity to answer the question, but it, naturally on its own, getting started, getting started early, you're trying it out, you know, some variation that is a number one answer. And I think that is, is interesting that shows such a commonality of everybody that does it, everybody that's looking to get started is really um, wanting to get, or want, you know, they, once you do it, you find out how much you love and how passionate you are. And so that gives you the opportunity to look back and say, I wish I started earlier. I wish I'd done this. So I think that that's just, is an interesting how often that correlates between a lot of different industries, a lot of different people, a lot of different journeys. It seems so easy, but it is the hard, it's the hardest. <laughs> it, it's easy to say, but hard to do. Just start. Mm, no, completely agree. So well, perfect. Well, now as, as we're wrapping up, and again, we'll have the bonus question. We'll talk a little bit about intellectual property in just a minute. Um, but before that, um, <clears throat> as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to contact you, they want to be a client, they want to be a customer, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to uh, buy a hip stick, they want to check it out, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, <laughs> what's the best way to reach out and find out more? It's super easy. It's we are 5050.com. That's W E A R E 5050, the numbers.com. And you will find all of our contact information there. If you want, if you're more on the creative side, you want to reach out to Jason, he's there. You can reach out to me, um, Laura, at we are 5050.com. Mm. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, um, check it out. Whether it's you're, you know, you want to buy some hip sticks, you want to looking for a great marketing agency. The, the focuses on the start of small business or any other reason, definitely worthwhile to check out. Um, so as we wrap up the normal part of the episode and stay tuned for the, the bonus question, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Now, as a listener, a couple things, if you have, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, share your journey, we'd love to have you on. So let's go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the podcast. Two more things as a listener. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need uh, help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, go to strategymeeting.com. We always are here to chat and, and to help out. So as we now wrap up the normal part of the podcast, I always enjoy this because this is kind of a fun place where we get to talk a little about intellectual property, which is obviously a passion of mine. And also I get an opportunity to, uh, you, or you get an opportunity to flip the tables and I don't get asked the questions. Now I get to answer the questions. So with that, I turn it over to you. What's your top intellectual property question? Yes. So as part of our journey, we wanted to patent hipstick legwear. We wanted to go through that process and we had no experience doing that process Mm. it took many many years (laughs) and where we have ended up is at a place where we we had to abandon our application our Mm. the patent office said 
you know, sorry, there are, there's too much likeness out there. Um, even though we had done the searches, we had done the searches, we had written a really strong application where it comes to a, to the end or what we you know think is the end is having to abandon. What are mm -hmm. our options now? Do, is it really over or do we have other options where we can continue to try to achieve a patent for, for our product? Um, yeah, it, it's a hard question. And because I mean, I get it in one sense, you know, I, and, and depending on the attorneys and full disclosure, I wasn't an attorney on this patent. Um, but what I always counsel clients is, is, you know, typically you're going to even we do a patent searching for a lot of our clients and some of them opt not to do it and there are reasons not to and there are reasons to do it. But regardless, you know, patent search, it gives you an idea, a good idea of what the, you know, what the landscape is out there, but it's not a guarantee in sense that one, there is you know, opinions that are doing it. And we, you know, attorney can view it one way, the examiner can view it another way, and they each have their different ways of viewing it. And so you may say, no, we disagree with you. And at the end of the day, you still have to convince the examiner to get it allowed. And so, you know, that back and forth. So as a side note, for anybody that's going through the process, usually I'd anticipate at least one to two rounds of back and forth with an examiner to try and get it in that condition for allowance and to get them comfortable in a place where they can, they're willing to uh, allow it. But even at that, you know, you can do a great application, you can do a searching and sometimes either search didn't turn it up or you can't convince the examiner gets to the point that it's either too expensive to keep going back and forth or you're saying it's too close and we're not it looks like it's a low likelihood that we're going to have success and so kind of with all of that you know then you have to look at it and say as you said is it worthwhile to invest in is it worthwhile to keep going or right now we don't have the funds we don't have the money or it doesn't make sense and we're going to let it go abandoned so with all of that as a setup to your question if you let it go abandoned most of the time it's going to be difficult or near impossible to go back and kind of revive that. Now, there are exceptions if it was truly unintentional, meaning, hey, we didn't get the notices, our attorney didn't let us know, or we didn't, you know, there was some extenuating or really, you know, out of the ordinary circumstance, you can do a revival on your patent. You can say, hey, this was unintentional. It wasn't, we didn't mean to abandon it. But if on the other hand, you made an intentional decision, hey, we're not going to pursue this any further, that's typically not an avenue. The only, and so once it's abandoned, so I'll back up. There's two ways to, depending on how it was originally filed, you can do what's called a non-publication request. And that basically means unless we get a patent that's issued as a patent, this never becomes publicly available knowledge. And in that case, it gives you the ability to some, sometimes go back and refile. Now, the other issue is, is that if you've had something out in the marketplace for more than a year, so you've been offering it for sale, you've been putting it out on a website or anything else of that nature, you have a one-year time clock ticking from the time you put it out in the public. So there's a few different things that are kind of the dynamics. One is how long has it been out in the public? It's been out for more than a year, and then you let your patent go abandoned, you're not going to have many avenues. It's been out for less than a year and you had a non-publication request, there's a possibility to revive it and go back and file it again. If it was an unintentional abandonment, you may be able to go and give the reasons why it's unintentional, go and revive it. Let's say you didn't qualify any of that. You just simply let it go abandoned. Then you're, it's, there really is very little avenue, unfortunately, to go back and recapture what you let go abandoned. That's one of the drawbacks of letting it go abandoned. 
The only thing you can do is now looking towards the future, you can say, if we're in here continuing to innovate, a lot of times companies will do generation of the product, generation one, and then two, and then three, and then four. So generation one, maybe that's what you originally filed on and said, that's abandoned. We can't go back and capture it, but you can still go after the things that may are different in generations two or three or four or whatever. So you're capturing the new innovations, the things that are making it, improving it, making it better. You can still go after that. So a lot of times if you're, so let something go abandoned, you're not able to capture that anymore, then I would look more towards what are we doing now? What have we done since that patent was filed and focus on that? So a lot of variables that go into it. that kind of gives you a, a quick synopsis of a much longer discussion. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up for the, the podcast. And thank you again for the question. It's always fun to talk a little bit about IP. And uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. Yeah.